Hey everyone, this is Joe Mayers. Welcome to Think Forever Behind the Scenes. In these episodes, I'm joined by special guests to discuss the historical, cultural, and scriptural significance of the stories we tell on the podcast. This week, we have guest author Alyssa Pobletti here to talk about her story of Rahab and the way some of these seemingly small characters fit into the grand narrative of the Bible. Welcome, everyone, to this behind-the-scenes episode of Think Forever. I'm Joe Mayers, your host, and I am joined today by our guest author, Alyssa Pobletti. Alyssa was an English major at Concordia University. She is a published author with Acts 29 and the Gospel Coalition. She is a wife, a mom, and an absolute wordsmith. So, Alyssa, thanks so much for being here with me today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So, I had a great time reading this story that you wrote, but this is sort of a new genre for you, right? Totally, So, what kind of stuff do you usually write? Yeah, typically... My wheelhouse is more in nonfiction. Um, I like to write about the intersection between the gospel and everyday life. So this was brand new for me. So what was the process like for you? Um, I was terrified, to be honest with you, when you first asked if I'd be interested in writing this. But after spending a few hours with Rahab, I fell in love with this genre of writing. I had such a blast writing. And specifically, I think what I love about writing fiction, well, what I love about reading fiction is it's really like a school in empathy because hmm. you're forced to take on someone else's thoughts and perspective for a little bit and kind of mm. consider mm-hmm. like, what would they, or what are they feeling? What are they sensing? What are they seeing? How do they respond to that circumstance differently than I would? Um, so writing it was like getting a master's degree in that, in a sense, because I very much had to consider man, what did she smell? What did she feel? What did it feel like to receive scorn from people around her that she actually Mm. knew Mm -hmm. um, because um, Jericho was pretty small. So she probably knew everyone. And the way that she must have felt walking through the streets, I got to kind of put myself into her shoes for a Mm. little bit. And it was really interesting. I thought you did a great job of bringing her off the page and and Mm -hmm. helping us to understand really all the facets Mm. of that real quick to that point. Um, something I love about what you're doing actually is, um, you're forcing us to pay attention to people we wouldn't have. For me, Rahab was only a plot point previous to spending Mm. time with her. Mm -hmm. She kind of was like a prop to move the story along. Um, but having to stop and pay attention to a name really does something to the text. And, When I first started falling in love with God's word, it really was when I started paying attention to details, realizing that every dot and iota on the page was intentional, that God doesn't just throw out a name for no reason. Mm -hmm. And um, 
it's fascinating. Like, and truly now, as I'm reading through the Old Testament with our church, I keep stopping at every name that's mentioned and questioning why that, why that name? Mm-hmm. I'm so curious. So, um, yeah, I love what you're doing here because it really informs it informs the way I'm reading through other parts of God's word as well. So that's awesome. So, what if any cultural or historical specifics did you come across in writing this that would be important for us to understand as we consider the story of Rahab? Something I found really interesting is a lot of commentators um, describe Rahab as this vile, promiscuous woman. If you know anything about the culture of the time, women would never have willingly chosen a vocation of prostitution Mm -hmm. because really what they would be signing themselves up for is a lifetime of poverty, of being a disgrace within her own community. Within those days and times, one commentator, he wrote like, just like a lot of young women today that are bored with their normal lives, like they just look for something more enticing and exhilarating. And I was just like, "Mm." first of all, most women wouldn't, that's not a great characterization of most women today. And then secondly, especially in those times, given the cultural context, More than likely, what was going on was that Rahab was probably sold into prostitution to pay off a family debt. Mm -hmm. And so it it doesn't diminish the fact that she was a recipient of grace, but very much so she more than likely was a child sold into sex slavery Mm -hmm. um, and would have to live the rest of her life with the mark of that bearing on her. So that really changes the way that you see the character mm-hmm. not you know not not taking away from the grace of god in her life but definitely brings that character to life in a way that we can understand yeah so moving moving ahead from those kind of cultural specifics how did you take what you learned Mm. Uh, in the research for this and and weave that in what are some of the themes that you really enjoyed uh, in the in the writing process? Well, I think it's really important. I hope you don't mind if I nerd out for a second. No, please. Um, so the way <laughs> we approach Old Old Testament narrative is really important. And I, I don't know about you, but like, I didn't grow up in the church, but I did attend church here and there as a child. And mm-hmm. I definitely was on the receiving end of hearing the story of Rahab told as a moral tale. Mm-hmm. And Rahab was often either painted as the hero of the story or she was painted as this liar, but like God was gracious to her. Either way, she was painted as the main point of this whole story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really important that we understand Rahab in the context of the storyline of scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to like zoom out a little bit before we dive into the theme of Rahab, we know going back to the very beginning, Adam and Eve had a perfect relationship with God. They severed that relationship and were forever separated from God, put out of the garden. And then we cut to a little later, God handpicks Abram, tells him he's going to be the father of many nations and makes this promise to him that all the nations of the world are going to be blessed through him. Then we zero in on this one family and we follow their family line for decades. We hear Abraham fathered Isaac, Isaac fathered Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons who became the nations of Israel. 
and they're enslaved within Egypt. I'm I'm missing a lot of details here, but just you get the point. They're they're enslaved in Egypt. He sends Moses. Moses takes them out of Egypt. And when he's doing all of these great acts, the plagues, he keeps saying, I'm doing this so Pharaoh will know I'm God. So Egypt will know I'm God. So Israel will know I'm God. And then he says, so the nations will know that I am God. Mm-hmm. So by the time we get to Rahab, Rahab, we're zooming in on one Canaanite girl who has been on the receiving end of these legendary stories about Yahweh. Her whole life, since she was first born, Mm. people have been talking. And she happens to be living in this land that God had promised to this Israelite nation. He said, this land is going to be yours. So we're cutting to this one girl's perspective of living in the city where they're trembling in fear at the thought that Yahweh might be coming Mm -hmm. to them. And um, so when we consider the theme of Rahab's story, it really isn't about Rahab. It's the story of God redeeming his people. And so what we get to see in Rahab's story is, well, two things. We get to see the character of God, that God is a God of of faithfulness to his promises because he's made those promises again and again and again throughout the Old Testament up until now. And we're finally seeing those promises being fulfilled. And then we get to see God is a redeeming God who has mercy for who he chooses to show mercy. And Rahab is the one that he's displaying that for Hmm. to us. Oh my gosh. I've got like chills going on right now because I know, legitimately <laughs> until this very moment, as you were explaining that, that story arc, that, mm-hmm. that isn't an aspect that I had considered that by the time we get to Rahab, it's the legacy mm. that God had already spoken of with Moses saying yes. that the nations would know that I'm God, that that's going before. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. To think about. Yeah. Well, you did you did put that into the story that she, that she had grown up with stories of the Israelites and and the mm-hmm. people knew that they were coming. Yeah. And all of that, but that is something big to consider. Wait, one more thing. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, go I'm going to nerd out again because this Please is do. my favorite part of the whole thing is then we get to the end of Rahab's story. Um one of the coolest things that I discovered is one, she is in the family line of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And am I jumping ahead too quickly? No, please. Okay. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Um, so one, she is in the family line of Jesus and she happens to be the mother of Boaz. And if you have, if you have spent any time in the Old Testament, that probably rings a bell. If you haven't, real quick, Boaz... Um, he is, is comes up in the story of Ruth, and Ruth is a woman who was also not of marriage material. She was also not an Israelite. She was a Gentile outside the family of God, and she happened to marry an Israelite man who died. So she was a widow and for sure was not marriage material, but also definitely not marriage material for an Israelite man um, because she was outside the family of God. But she tra- travels back to his homeland with his mother, who is an Israelite, and becomes basically an impoverished 
woman within society and her she's setting herself up for a life of what they called like leaning from the field which is basically her only way of survival was just to take the scraps from people's fields when they were done harvesting them and as she's doing this Boaz gets word of this woman and meets her and comes to find out that he is a relative of her deceased husband. And what that means in those days is that he could be what they called a kinsman redeemer, which was someone who could marry this woman that was not marriage material for anyone else except for people within that family. Mm -hmm. And he chooses, he's compelled to marry her and Um, basically redeem her from the life that she was being set up to live of poverty Mm -hmm. um, and being an outcast. And I just have to think like, man, Boaz probably grew up. I mean, his very existence was the result of God's mercy to his mom. And he had to grow up hearing stories again and again Mm. of we are only here because of grace. We are only part of this family because God chose to redeem my mother, you know, and um, it makes sense why he was so compelled to offer that same grace to Ruth, which I thought was really cool. Because he grew up with stories about his mom. Yeah. Getting, I'm going to have to go get a jacket for all the chills that I'm getting <laughs> with this conversation. Man, uh, I, yeah. I, I love the way that, that that all fits together. I know. I know. God's word like never ceases to amaze me. Well, that's why I love doing this style of storytelling mm. because because that's that's what it's doing it's making us stop and look at things that yeah either we just kind of fly past you know we just get that bird's eye view and say like okay and there's this and then and, you know or we separate things because they're different right. chapters mm-hmm and we yeah. say, and this is story one and that's all by itself and this is story two and that's right. all by itself. Wow. Yeah. Well, thanks for thanks for doing the work to to find all of those connections. Mm, I mean, yeah, I I feel like it's right there on the page, which is so, which is what's so profound about God's word when we see it as one big story and not sixty six smaller stories. It all starts to make sense, which is so cool. Mm-hmm. So there there are a couple other places where we see Rahab mentioned in scripture. One of them is in the hall of faith in, in Hebrews 11, mm-hmm. but also in James chapter two, mm-hmm. we see, we see Rahab mentioned and it's, it's in the section where James is talking about the fact that we are saved by grace through faith, mm-hmm. but that faith without works is dead because that's the fruit of that faith. It's showing that we have that faith. Mm. And if I can just read it really quick, it's James 2.25. He says, In the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. Mm. And so she had the faith, and I think we see that through the, the story that you wrote, but she was also a woman of action. Yes. She wasn't somebody who was waiting for things to happen to her. As I consider her character, she's had things happen to her for her whole life. Mm -hmm. And this is the opportunity that she had to go and do something. Yeah. Clearly she was supporting herself. She had uh, her business aside from what we know her as, as as a prostitute, Mm -hmm. but she 
was a woman who was making things happen. Yeah. What does that mean in terms of in terms of her faith and being mm-hmm. put into action in the context of the scripture? Yeah, I I think what we get to see is that faith is completely transforming. And there's a point where she hides the spies up on her roof and she goes up to them and she has this profession of faith, um, which is actually the longest um, speech given by a woman in all of scripture, which I thought was really cool. But she gives this great profession of faith. And we get part of that in your story, right? Yeah. I just quoted straight from the Bible, which made my job really easy. She quickly goes down to the crowd and lies. And in that moment, had they sniffed out any hint of deception on her end, she would have absolutely been publicly tortured, if not killed. She was setting herself up for an incredible risk. And I have to believe she's heard all these stories about who God is. Her faith was not flimsy. Her faith was very much completely set on a very big God. And because of how big God was to her, she was able to take action. You never see a hint of concern over herself at that point. Mm -hmm. She's driven by one thing, and that is her faith in a very big God. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. She's inspirational. I know. Yeah, she is. And... I feel not ashamed, but I feel like it's a shame that so many people, myself included, have gone through so much of life just Mm -hmm. seeing her as just an archetype of Mm -hmm. prostitute. Yes. When there's there's so much more to the story. Yeah. Something something I, I wanted to ask about, and this goes beyond just your story, is the fact that in the lineage of Jesus that's given in the New Testament, there are four women mm-hmm. who are mentioned. And the only thing that I can see as the connective tissue between those women in this patriarchal lineage that's mm-hmm. given is scandal. Mm-hmm. That's obviously not on accident right? that those things are in there. I think that that says something about the nature of Jesus and who he is yeah, and the work that God has been doing leading up to, even before Jesus came, the plan of redemption that was there. And so I, I just want to know what you think of, of that and how that played into the story. Yeah, I, oh man, I was thinking about this earlier today, actually, because I'm reading um, Russ Ramsey's book, Rembrandt in the Wind. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's so good. But mm-hmm. he was talking about the people Jesus surrounded himself with. We tend to romanticize the fact that Jesus surrounded himself with scoundrels. You know, he sat amongst tax collectors and prostitutes in his ministry. We we tend to, or at least I, tend to look at them as, oh, like the outcasts of the group, the people that weren't didn't really fit the mold. But it was so much more than that. I mean, these were people who were messed up. Like tax collectors would go around and take money from people in their own society and they would charge even extra so they could take some and then give the rest to Rome. 
and they were they just did bad amongst their own people. And then prostitutes, I mean, the way that they broke their family structure, the way that they hurt people, the way that they broke down other marriages. Jesus surrounded himself with people who were complicated in very serious ways. And these women that are mentioned are no different. I mean, we can't escape the fact Rahab did live a very vile life in some ways. She had, she was not a stranger to the depravity of man. I guess I'll say that. And she lived within a society that was disturbing. That's like a nice way to put it. I mean, they took part in child sacrifice and many other things that would have felt normal to Rahab. People are really incredibly messed up, including the people within God's or Jesus' family line. And that I think is saying something so overt to us. Jesus came for the broken, for the sick, for those who were not perfect. It's to highlight the fact that we are completely and entirely recipients of grace. It was not by us. If you don't mind, I'm going to read this passage um, mm-hmm. because this came up in our, our church is doing like a Bible reading plan right now where we're reading through the Bible in a year. Yeah. And this came up the other day. And as I was reading it, I was actually in the midst of thinking about Rahab. And I thought, man, like these are the words to Rahab and to us. And when I read it, I just think like, let's just think about Rahab for a second. Um, I'm reading from Ephesians 2 verses eight through 13 mm-hmm. for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Mm. Just the heart of God is so evident in the way that he weaved his whole storyline to show us that that's who he came for, which I think is so cool. Yeah. Jesus came for everyone, everywhere, Mm -hmm. at all times. Yeah. That no one is to be outside of the family of God. Yeah. And there's nothing like too horrible that God's grace isn't enough for, Mm -hmm. which is so refreshing. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. So the big question is this, what do we do with this? Mm-hmm. What is, what does it mean? Because I, I think you did a great job explaining how we can look at scripture where it's not just cherry picking mm-hmm. little bits and pieces to, you know, add to our little motivational post-it notes, Right, right. but that there is something to be gleaned from this. Mm -hmm. And so what do we glean and what do we do with that? Yeah. I, I think the big takeaway for me, something I've just been rehearsing for my own heart is we have a very big God who is faithful to his promises, to his people. And so I think the big takeaway is like acquaint yourself with him, like spend time with him, know him like so deeply that you can be compelled to take action when he calls you to, that you can take risk for the sake of his glory. Um, Because if our vision of God is any less than who he is, 
we're at a loss. I'm just <laughs> drawing this connection on my own, but you talked a couple times about the Bible reading plan mm-hmm. that the church is doing. What Bible reading plan is that? So it's like a, it's a five day a week reading plan, which is great because you can catch up on the weekends if you miss any days. We're just doing the one that you can find it on the Dwell app so you can listen to it, okay. um, which I have, I'm not a big auditory person, but one of the blessings of the audio version is you can read along with it, but you hear somebody else's voice reading it too, which helps a lot with pronunciation of names for sure. (laughs) And there's a lovely man named Felix that reads on there that has just a very enjoyable voice. Okay. Yes. He's from Africa and he's just beautiful. Yeah. You have to listen, but um, I think the, I think the listeners to this podcast might be auditory people. So that might be, that might be helpful. Is there an external link for that? Yes. You can put it in your show notes. All right. I'll put that, I'll put that in the show notes uh, in case people want to follow along, because I think that's a discipline that is really hard and really Mm. lacking. Sometimes that's really lacking from my life. And it's something that I need to remind myself more often is to be in the word every day. Mm. And the cool thing with this one is you get a little Old Testament, a little New Testament, and then a Psalm or Proverb. So it's, we did chronological last year, which I personally love, but most people don't. So it's nice that you get like a little bit of everything every day. Yeah. You have a really dry February. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Leviticus and Numbers. Yeah. It's gruesome too when you get to judges. So yeah, it's nice to get like yeah. a little hit of New Testament in there. Yeah. yeah. Get a little get a little bit of Jesus in your life every yeah. day. Okay. That's good. <laughs> All right. Well, Alyssa, thank you so much uh for being thank here today you. and for writing such an incredible and inspiring story. It was such a joy to read. And I know that people who've listened last week really enjoyed it as well. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Are there any other projects that you're working on right now so that we can hear more of the the kind of stuff that you're writing. Yeah, I um I write pretty regularly on the internet. So you can just find me on Instagram and you'll be pointed to other places from there. Okay. And what's your handle? At Alyssa Pobletti. Okay. You can put it in the show notes. <laughs> All right. We'll put that in the show notes too. All right. Thank you so much yeah, again for being thank here. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. That's all we have for this week. If you're enjoying our show, we would love it if you would subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And make sure to listen in next week for an all-new story from Think Forever. Think Forever.